Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. I could text Chuck Todd. I could text Chris Saliza. I could say, look what's going on. And and I knew that they were paying attention. I knew no that... No introduction necessary. You can just get right yeah. to it. And it's never that way with basketball or hockey. It's never that way. And football is a once-a-week sport. It's not the same. Baseball is the sport that comes into your life, seeps into your life, and takes control of your life. Sort of like poison. You know, it just takes control of your life. And I'm willing to have it. This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. So the other day, I open up, I get a package in the mail, and it's from Chan. And I have no idea what it is. And I open it up, and it's one of those Life magazines, like Life magazine is now in the business of retrospection. And it's a thing about the Eagles. It's basically a picture book. Oh, I thought it would be like a PTI special. (laughs) No, it's basically a picture book about the Eagles. 50 years of the Eagles and all of these pictures from Life magazine, from the archives. And as fate would have it yesterday, I was um, working with Helen doing the moderate exercises I am allowed to do at my age. And over the loudspeaker in the gym, they start playing Lion Eyes. I mean, whatever, whatever channel they're on, whatever station they're on, you know, at certain points during the week, most of the people who are in that gym are over the age of 90. So (laughs) at what hour does the playlist change? uh, I don't know, because I always get the oldies playlist, pretty much always get that because every once in a while, they have the rap playlist, and I say to somebody there, well, yeah, what is that? Get rid of it. So Give me the country club cash, please. Lion Eyes comes on. Right. You know, it's like one of the greatest Eagle songs of all time. Tremendous song. And I say to Helen, how can anybody hate this song? And she looks at me, and she goes, nobody hates this song. I go, oh, okay, good. And it was on my mind because of Chan's book. Um, apparently, Glenn Fry's son now plays with the band if they go out on the road. Oh, wow. Apparently... um, They just played here. Yeah. Apparently, Don Henley has a child who plays with the band if they go out on the road. You know, Vince Gill plays with the band when they go out on the road. I think Jackson Brown has gone out with them. Yes, he definitely has. There's only one original Eagle left. It's Don Henley. Well, that's it. Bernie Ledden, right? But well, but then yeah, he doesn't play. He with doesn't them. play well. There's, the other people are alive, but they don't play. Anyway, I just thought I'd mention that. Uh, more, more to the point, though. More of something that people care about. I walk the dog this morning. We come in through the alley. We come in through the back door, and I say to the dog as I'm unhooking the dog's leash, I go, "Okay, we're going to pick up the paper because paper's in the yard. We're going to play the frisbee game, even though she doesn't play anymore." She doesn't ever drop the frisbee. She just collects them yes. and prances around with them. The game has changed. Yeah, and we're, and we're not going to bark. And we're not going to bark. Right. Okay? So she takes off up the concrete towards the front of the house from the back of the house. I get about halfway up, and all of a sudden, I see at my feet some small, dark animal. This is not a rabbit. It is it's not hopping. It is scurrying. At 85 miles an hour. I have no idea what it was. And at 90 miles an hour, here comes the dog. Uh-oh. And uh, you got to get out of the way or else she'll, she'll knock you over. Yeah, the dog is going so fast, unbelievably fast. She passes me. She runs towards the backyard. She runs into the bushes. She does not get this thing, whatever it was. And it was not a rabbit because she'd have gotten a rabbit in a heartbeat. It's not a rabbit. Something in the rat family? Maybe, or, you know, a muskrat or a chipmunk or whatever, but... Gibbon? I don't think it was a gibbon. No, I don't think it was a gibbon. I don't think it was a fox. Okay. It wasn't big enough to be a fox or a raccoon. It wasn't, I didn't think, small enough to be a chipmunk, but maybe it was a chipmunk. But she, she I mean, and she, the ability of a dog... To go from zero to max in less than two seconds is unbelievable. If your car could do this, you'd buy that car. Yeah, she ain't no hybrid. No, 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 no. She's not a plug-in. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. She is full octane. She's on the high test, this girl. And she didn't get it. She didn't get it. So it was just sort of wild. Yeah, she was like really on the run. Michael, you... Um... Oh, by the way, no trailer today. 
Second day in a row. Yes. No trailer. Tell the people what you did yesterday, because it's a wonderful, wonderful charity. So we had a first tea event. Uh, this was out at Riverbend, and we've now I've, I've now been part of this event for a few years, and every year it gets better and better. The course, as always, was in great shape, and they do such a good job with the catering. With, you, you need know, to explain what the first tea is. The, Not this, is a, this is a youth organization that works with kids, and there, there are a series of uh, pillars that, that will talk to you about citizenship and basically will help teach you life skills through the game of golf. And uh, there are various outlets throughout the country, most major regions, and, and sort of the golf hotbeds have them here in the greater Washington, D.C. area. Most of the uh, the courses that we, we know and talk about, East Potomac Park, Langston, the courses out through Northern Virginia, Montgomery County, have these outposts. We have friends of the show up in Montgomery County who are, who are very much involved with the First Tee program. And it's a great way to, to, to carry these life skills into kids who have not necessarily had the exposure to golf. I'm focused Teaches children of, of all economic strata. Uh, Open to all. Learn how to play golf. Learn how to exist in the real world. And, and, and different learning styles as well, because it's not just about putting a, a number next to, your, uh, next to your name, but about how yep. you can try and use that for uh, responsible growth in terms of setting goals and holding yourself accountable and interacting golf with is those the, around you. Golf's the game where you call the penalty on yourself. Right. Golf, that's a real, you know, the other games, you wait for the referee to call it on you. And if you get away with it, you go, oh, I got away with it. In golf, you call the penalty on yourself. That is a different way of approaching life. So we've had beautiful weather for two or three weeks now. And we've, we've been in this humid, looks like it could storm at any moment. And, and you're driving out there. And this golf course is right past Great Falls, Virginia. So it feels like you're right on the river. And it, it looks like you are on the river. You are on the river. It looked like there was going to be a storm that would break at any moment. We made it through the front nine. You're sort of hoping you're going to stay around the pocket of the clubhouse. Ended up having a gorgeous afternoon. This was a, this was a sponsored event by Captain. We had Curtis Strange out there. Curtis he was, Strange, he was two-time a, U.S. Open. He was champion. playing and wow. he and he was uh, talking after the round. Uh, no, so we had this this great event. And for me, from we're in the market where we get all the Virginia commercials. So we've been seeing nothing but Yunkin and, and McCullough yeah. for the last yeah. <laughs> six weeks. But really, the last uh, you know, the parents can't teach or can't get involved in teaching this or that. And so to drive out and to see the signs in the yards, and it it's straight out of a cartoon where your neighbor will have a. Tony Kornheiser sign, and the neighbor across the street will have a Ni- Nigel Four, and it's two feet larger on a higher plane, and it just keeps getting uh, higher and higher and higher. And so we had a we had a gorgeous day. Uh, very grateful to get out there, and and always okay. very grateful for the work that the first he does. Got to play with an awesome group with uh, Clint San- Sanchez, our executive director, Mike Johnson, and and Richard Rosenthal. Good, glad you enjoyed that. I wanted to just do I one thing. I topped a golf ball into a pond, though. Whoops! I felt Brilliant. like the uh, yeah. channeling Nigel there. That's no, not I, what you do. I had a I had some feelings of vertigo over this. I hit a good drive, but I was sort of perched over this catch basin, straight topped. Thought it might skip out. No. Oh, you didn't keep score though. I had a I had a couple birdies on the back. It's a shamble, so you're just trying oh, to hit, yeah. you know you're trying to play in from the best drive. And, and we're did you win any shop credit? No. Again, this oh. is one of those things. You we were in dead last. Last where? No, we were in dead last for the and you, it's live scoring. Oh, so it's one of those things where you go, we can't win. We got you know. You know the executive director of the program. We cannot have our name called. Right. We don't want to finish last. Right. Right. I made some good birdies coming in. Walk off birdie on the last two okay. footer. Tap it in. <laughs> so I wanted to get to one other thing that I was I declined to talk about yesterday on the PTI show because I just I didn't think that the PTI show lent itself to talking about this particular thing. This is the Urban Meyer circumstance. For those of you who don't know what this is, there is a video going around, a short video, five, six, ten seconds, of Urban Meyer sitting in a chair at a bar and a young woman, not, you know, not like a teenage woman, but a younger woman than Urban Meyer, sort of backing into him and doing what might be called a a fairly sexy dance. Sure. Right, with her back near him. I mean, she's sort of slinking around in this dance. It's a theatrical dance is how I would describe it. And Urban Meyer, everybody's going crazy about this. And they point out in all of the news opportunities, they say, and this woman, not his wife. So, okay, so let me divest myself of my anti-Urban Meyer feelings. Because I don't like Urban Meyer. I think he's a terrific coach. I don't like him at all because I have heard him say on more than one occasion, here are my priorities, faith, family, and football in that order. 
I hate guys who do that. I mean, I just don't stick that in my face. If you want to believe that, fine. That That is not, to me, that is setting yourself up for a fall. And I always hope that Urban Meyer loses. I always hope Nick Saban loses. These are great, great coaches. But my experience with them is not wonderful. So I would be inclined, I'm sure you would think, to trash Urban Meyer about this. But I'm not. At one point, the copy in the big finish yesterday was how Urban Meyer was sitting at a bar and. And I said, that, that's not fair. He's not sitting at a bar. He's sitting at the bar in his restaurant. He owns that restaurant. Don't make it seem like he walked in off the street and he's tanked and he's just at a bar. It's his. I used to sit at the bar at Chatter. It was mine. <laughs> that's a, that, to me, is an enormous qualitative difference than just sitting at a bar. So we got that straightened out. And my feeling is, again, when you're a celebrity, when you're famous, people do this all the time. They come up to you in all manners, and they want to get their pictures with you, and you're not really responsible for their behavior. You're not. So I don't fault Urban Meyer. When it says he's sitting there without his wife, it's his restaurant. <laughs> he's got a business interest in this. I sat at chatter a lot of times without a lot of people that you would attach to me. That's, come on. I, I'm trying to, I'm bending over. I'm not even bending over backwards. I'm just being fair to Urban Meyer. Now, if, you, if we want to go a step further and ask this question, your team is 0-4. What are you doing in Columbus? Why aren't you in Jacksonville? You don't get days off. You're the head coach. You signed an enormous contract. You don't get days off, and you certainly don't get days off when you're 0-4. And you should be at the team headquarters, not somewhere else promoting your own stuff. I, I'm okay with you screaming about that. I'm not okay with the sort of screaming about who's this woman and, right? Am I, I think I'm right on this. I, I disagree with you, but go ahead. Go ahead. No, I... <clears throat> I, I think the it's a short video. It's a TikTok, right? I, I don't know what that okay, means. Just, Five just, or seven yes, seconds. It's, a, it's yeah. a short video clip. And what you never know You don't know have is, context. Right. You don't have context. But no. what you have is that it's a essentially would be a live frame. And you always have to remember when you are when you are coach, when you're head coach, when you are that type of name, whether you own that bar or not, you are always going to be attached to that position of okay. power. Okay. So you, you cannot allow whoever that is, whether it's undergrad, uh, you know, server, somebody older, just general fan, general person walking off the street, you can never be in that position to allow them to, to allow that. How to do happen. you stop that so quickly? This so, is like so again, you come back to the, you come back to the, the photos and, and we've all seen the photos where it's the question of where is the hand placed? And so you get into the habits of making sure there is no doubt that the hand is placed in an, in an acceptable position. When it's I harder if, if someone were to come up to you and start dancing, that is obviously harder. harder, but there are ways to remove yourself from that situation. Situation. When I took pictures at Chatter, and I took thousands of pictures at Chatter, both my hands were always visible. I made sure both my hands are visible. They're up in the air. You know who else does that? Uh, uh, Keanu Reeves. You see all these photos with fans of them, and his hands are always like well, my hands are up off, in the air, off the body. Yeah, up, just up never, in the air. Yeah, up in the air. Yeah, you have to I, now. I think you do. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, it's just odd for me to get to. Now you love. Urban Meyer, because you're an Ohio State fan. <laughs> I, I, here's the thing. I love what he did for Ohio State because he really sort of brought them back and stuck it to Michigan. Yeah. But, you know, like you said, he said, listen, he's going to let you down. And he says, oh, oh I, he's going to quit in a hurry. Yeah. So he quits and you're like, well, it's for his elf. So we're nice. all happy about that. And then he's back in Jacksonville and Man. you're like, really? You left us to go. Look, I think he's a hypocrite. So yeah. I, I don't like him. So, but in this particular, and, but in this particular case, I think he's getting hosed. I think there's a zeal to sort of stick it to him because yeah. he's that kind of guy. So I think people rush to that. I still, Certainly, I would agree with, with Michael that the optics of it do not no, look very not good. Great. But, yeah. uh, but it, I think part of it is when you come out and you and you faith, yes. family. You and, set yourself well, up. Come on, don't do that. You're almost challenging Say, people. I'm a human being. I make mistakes. It's, uh, it's Carville has the greatest line. Yeah, I made a mistake on that one. Not my first, not going to be my last. <laughs> uh, he's been saying that for right. 30 years. He knows. Who was the guy running for president? He said, okay, go ahead and follow me. Gary, Gary, Gary Hart. Hart. Yeah. Yeah, follow they me. Him. Took him 10 hours. <laughs> they found him on the yacht, the monkey business, <laughs> with someone named Rice. Donna Rice, yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. yeah. Miami Herald nailed yeah. him. Yeah, Boom. they did. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, is it Wilbon when we return? Mike Wilbon, yes. Michael Wilbon when we return, and I'm Tony Kornheiser. 
This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the plants to porch copy. Remember it was in the middle of the summer and you lost the battle with your house plants waving the white flag as they perished in the heat? Or perhaps you have a barren corner of living room or office that desperately needs some vibrancy. Maybe you have a podcast and you're on the verge of going back to your recording studio full-time and you could use some furnishing. You need to go to plants2porch.com. Plants to Porch is a family-owned business with 35 years in the faux floral and silk tree industry, removing the middleman, going straight to the consumer. It's a beautiful way to give your home a fresh breath of life. I'm staring at the plants that we have here. There was a second plant said to be the most beautiful plant. A majestic plant. Yeah, Ooh. and and I don't know where it is. Michael, do you know where it is? So because of because of this, you know how you know how karma works? Do you know that wonderful cutting that I took from your 45-year-old tree? Yeah. Oh, loss of that. leaves. Well, the, 100% loss of leaves. Well, so I'm staring at that palm at, at our house saying, thank you for never going on me. Thank right. you for standing tall. <laughs> Go to plants2porch.com. Enter the code TONYK at checkout to get 20% off your first order. That's plants2porch.com, and please use the promo code TONYK at checkout to get 20% off. Use the code, people. You're listening, You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a band from St. Louis called Money for Guns. Will Salisbury has been sending us music for a few years now. It's always wonderful. And he writes, here at Money for Guns headquarters, we've finally released some new music just for you and the gang. For your listening pleasure, I've attached the tunes the cold of January and the end was perfect. Also, please tell Bootsy and the Hammer, I know I lost the bet and I'm good for the cash. It's just that I'd never seen the movie. But after watching the results of the first fight, I was sure Clubber Lang would dominate the rematch against Balboa. Godspeed, Will Salisbury. This is from Michael Wilbon. It's called The End Was Perfect. They're a very good band. St. Yes. Louis band. We have bands in, in Athens, Greece, and Rome. Rome, and, Italy, you know, all over the world. We've got bands everywhere, and St. Louis. And Dan Byrne. Wilbon, you were not you were not with us yesterday. You Explain why, because everybody expects you on Monday morning. Yeah, I had a red-eye flight, Tony, and, um, you know, that's not normally a problem. I've done the show many Monday mornings after a Sunday night red-eye. Yep. But, you know, the, the, the airline industry is not back to, you know, not back to pre-COVID form, and there are certain times a year now which there won't be a nonstop red eye, which is completely annoying. And red eyes, taking red eyes are annoying enough. And every few years I say, I'm not going to do this again every year. I lie to myself. Because if you spend part of your life in the West and, and part in the East, you're going to have to, you're going to have to give in and take some red eyes unless you just, you know, want to just sort of ruin your schedule. So for me, that would mean I wouldn't be able to do PTI on Monday, which isn't acceptable. So, but now there's no, they're, they're not the, the same number of nonstops, not anywhere near the inventory. And so I had to connect in Chicago, and so that Ooh. that put me out it's of It's not uh, really a red eye. I mean, sort of by definition, in my mind, a red eye is a nonstop flight in the middle of the night, right? Isn't well, that how we define it? I flight in the middle of the night. I flew, I left uh, Phoenix at midnight. Right. Midnight from Phoenix, got to Chicago at 525, and I was supposed to take a, a 715 connection to Washington, but we landed like 20 minutes early, and the 545 flight from Chicago oh, still, to DCA oh, good, was still at the good. gate. Oh, so good. I just, I, so you I jumped just, on. I'm walking by it, and I'm like, you got a seat for me? And they're like, yeah. Oh, so, good. You know, so that, that was fine. I got here yesterday morning, you know, like two hours earlier than scheduled, but it didn't mean I could clear the time to get here in time fine. to you know to to be on so i thank people for indulging me the uh, biggest uh, sports story yesterday of course was the meeting of tom brady and bill belichick which tom mm -hmm. brady won by a very narrow mar margin and i think most of us were very concerned honestly about the sidebar story which was how would they greet each other after the game and Belichick just gave him an embrace that I described yesterday as a kind of hug you would give to your third cousin at a wedding. But then, as great you pointed out, as you pointed out, there was something much more meaningful after that, right? Really meaningful. Yeah, a 20-minute, according to observers, um, a 20-minute conversation where Bill Belichick walked into the visiting locker room. You wonder if he, you wonder, somebody had to take him there. Like, how do you even know where it is? <laughs> yeah. Um and he goes, and he, t and he and Brady talk, and both men, not surprisingly, um, say, we're not sharing the details of this. We know what our relationship is. We're good, despite all of the characterizations of the relationship being otherwise. And I, I don't know whether that's accurate or not. I, I don't 
I, I, I wasn't going to say I don't really care. I, I guess I care about that. I certainly did not care about the game. I don't care about a game between New England and Tampa. I just don't care about that, uh, particularly in week four or three or whatever it is. I mean, I, you know, well, I, I, could care, I could care about that later in January. Uh, but it was, it was whatever they said. It's the meeting. It's the meeting between the two. You know, I, you know, I don't want to yes. turn it into Franklin Delano Roosevelt and Churchill, but um, in sports, that's a significant thing. These are two giant people in the world of football, and um, I was glad that that uh, that that when Kelleher told me that, I was like, oh, okay, that's that's what's significant. That's the story. You're and you're right, Tony. What what I guess a lot of people would think of the sidebar. That's the story. The game was the sidebar. I mean, seriously. I mean, I know people have their fantasy points and they have all these reasons to care about pro football. It's the most popular, you know, form of entertainment in America by a million miles. But not, you know, there's a million games every week. You know, Brady and Belichick doing this. I don't buy the excuses either. This is the first time they've been able to. No, it wasn't. It's just the first time they did it. It wasn't the first time they were able to. People are able to do whatever the hell they want, especially when you're rich beyond description you can hop on a g6 or whatever the latest g is and go see each other if you want it wasn't the first time they had a chance it was the first time they did it but that was worth recording to me that was worth discussing yeah i mean i i'm not a belichick fan but i thought this was very classy on his part he made the effort he went into that room. He sought Brady out. Whatever they discussed is indeed their business, and it will never convince me that Bill Belichick wasn't the driving force behind Tom Brady leaving. But it was, to me, very classy. That's not a word yeah. I, talk, I use on Belichick. I think he's great, but, right. you know, so very classy. Let's move on to something. Uh, your baby quarterback is now uh, two games in. He's 2-0. and oh. No, he's 1-1. One one. No, he's 1-1. One one he was okay. He wasn't as good as Zach Wilson, but Zach Wilson's in his fourth game, and I think that makes a difference. What are, uh, uh, You and I have talked about this. I don't see that there's any way out for Matt Nagy other than to continue to start Justin Fields because if he doesn't, he's going to lose his job. The only saving grace to keep him in that job is if Justin Fields wins like Justin Herbert did last year, you know, four of the last six, something like that. What are your thoughts? Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's got Tony. It's a, it's a, it's really a shame if um, if Matt Nagy keeps his job. <laughs> um, and I and I I know that you have paid attention to this because of two reasons. Yeah. One, this is what you. we do, and two, me, you, <laughs> you, right? But That's you right. know, but I, I I pay attention to this like you pay attention to the Nationals. I pay attention to this every day for the last four years. Matt Nagy and what he's doing and what he's not doing. And Justin Fields is never going to become a great quarterback under Matt Nagy. It's not going to happen. Matt Nagy is not apparently capable of producing that way. And I know that he was the original tutor for Patrick Mahomes. I get that, which is why he didn't want to coach uh, Mitchell Trubisky. He got there to Chicago and said, oh, my God, you mean Mahomes didn't come with me? I got to coach this guy? And so we thought it was just sort of withholding of services. It's not just that. He's not capable. Because he, he would have shown now if he was capable. He, he hasn't. Marcus Spears and I talked at length uh, one day about this. Because, I mean, you know, Spears, Spears and I talk occasionally, and he, he knows my fanaticism for the Bears. And, and Spears is now looking at this because this is what he does for a living. And Spears is saying, you know what, he's, he's never going to develop under this guy. He said, this kid needs to request a trade. He's never going to amount to what he can amount to with that coach. And the Bears' ownership shows no inclination to fire him. Now, had they lost to Detroit, I've never rooted for the Bears to lose a game in my life. I was on the verge of that. I couldn't bring myself to actually do it. But even my son at 13 realized the conundrum here. And Matthew said to me Sunday morning, Dad, the only way we can get rid of this guy if he loses to the Lions, right? <laughs> and I said, yeah, Matty, that's it. That, that's the deal for right now. Because that would embarrass the, the, the Hallis McCaskey family to no end. And so, you know, um, he's still there. I, I, I guess he'll be there the remainder of the season. Um, and Justin Fields is doomed under him. 
And he may get better on his own just because he's – but you have to have coaching. This is the point that people don't get about Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. And there are other pairings, Tim Duncan and Greg Popovich. You, you, can, you can – I mean, you know, you can go – Michael Jordan was going to be great. He was already great under three previous coaches, including Doug Collins. But he, he truly reached his – he maxed out under Phil Jackson, as did, as did others, as did Scottie Pippen. So, so you, you have to be coached, and you have to be coached hard is, is a phrase that, 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 that Jordan uses. He talks about that, and, he, and he's talked in his life about how he was able to max out, not just with Phil, but with Dean Smith, and then layered on top, you know, Doug Collins, Phil Jackson, they had great coaches. You have to have great coaches. And I don't, you know, Matt Nagy's not even a competent coach at this point. So this obsesses me, like I said, the way, mm-hmm. you know, the Nationals, the way anybody, you know, the way that new people in New England are obsessed with Brady and Belichick. Everybody's got their own thing. And so, you know, we got to live with this. And I'm going to the Raiders-Bears game this weekend in the desert. Um, and I don't know, I don't, I bought, you know, we, there's, Matthew gets to pick out his own games, a home game and a road game, and he picked the Raiders game. And so the, the highlight to me now is not that we're going to see the Bears, is that we're going to go to the, the heavyweight championship fight. Yeah, the fight between yeah. Wilder and Tyson Fury. Um, I'm, I'm I'm more gassed for that than I am to watch you know the Raiders you know sack Justin Fields six or seven times and uh, you know even again even even my kid who plays flag football says dad when is the last time the Bears when is the last time Nagy called a screen pass and I'm like dude he's not competent it's it's, it's beyond he should be fired he's not competent to do this. And that, that, that leads at some point either to the greatest turnaround in the history of sport or doom. All right. Um, I mentioned that for the, a rosy outlook. That's very good. <laughs> I mentioned the uh, Belichick-Brady game, and that was the biggest attraction, and that was the biggest carnival of the week. But the biggest game was Arizona and the Los Angeles Rams. Arizona beat down the Rams. This is a team that I have in the Super Bowl. Arizona on the road beat them down. Uh, you watch them all the time. Are you ready to say, I think you should be, but maybe you're not, that they are right now, after four weeks, the first quarter of the season, they're the best team in the NFL right now? No. I, I, I'm not ready to say that about anybody. After four weeks. Last week we went crazy because last year we went crazy because what was Russell Wilson in Seattle? Were they 5-0? and 5-0. Yeah, he was know, cooking. I, I'm not let the Russ rush cook. to proclaim to me. I, that's, I'm saying after four everything weeks, everything in sport. Oh, so then you don't believe in you don't believe in the AP or the coaches' poll in in football, college football. Um, a little bit more because that's halfway. You know, you get five weeks oh, okay. halfway, right? It's, okay, it's, it's six and right. a half. But I mean, no, I know. I mean, how many times do we need to go through this? I don't mean you and I. I mean the culture. Now, we got to proclaim on the first Monday, he's the leader in the MVP race. Mm. You know, really? Okay. Shut up. But they but, look good. So, they look he, good? Listen, they, I, here's what I'm willing to say. And this is, you could say, a statement of the obvious. They're exciting as hell. Yeah, they are. They are. Excited. This guy, Moore, number four. I mean, he's a beast. I mean, he, he, he's, he's so, I mean, he's sort of like, I'm trying to think of what he is. He's like, Steve Smith combined with the, the receiver, the former Carolina receiver, Steve Smith combined with, like, Kyrie Irving. I mean, he's not a big dude, and he just is dominant on the field. You're afraid of him. He's like he could have a Kansas City Chiefs uniform on. That's how good he is. So, you know, I mean, they, they, Tony, they're fun to watch. It, it, it's great to be an Arizona sports fan right now, back-to-back. And, by the way, Herm Edwards has got uh, the Sun Devils to either 4-1 or 5-1. So it's, it's, it, there's a renaissance out there. People are going nuts because it is a great – it's got all four teams professionally. It's got two big-time – I mean, two of the biggest schools in America are Arizona State and Arizona State University – Arizona and Arizona State. And, and they're, you know, Arizona State's doing really well, as I mentioned. And it's like, wow, what else is next? I'm not going to count on the Coyotes. The Diamondbacks no, are pretty bad, pretty awful. They're bad. But Baseball the Suns, team's bad. The, 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 the place where people's hearts are, are even though the Arizona the Diamondbacks have won a World Series, the people's hearts are into the Suns and the Cardinals, in that order, by the way. And the Suns, Suns were the first pro team. They were the first pro team out there, right? right? That's Basketball. right. So if you're over 14, you, that's 
where your interest is first, and that's where people, yeah. you know, were makes sense. passionate during the during the, the whole last year. All right. So it's, Let it's, me, it's, it's a great time. Let me get to what my heart is in, and that is baseball and the wild cards. And um, I will find myself rooting. I was never. I was a Giant fan, so I hated the Dodgers. I hated the right. Dodgers, but I will find right. myself now rooting for the Dodgers because of Max Scherzer. I will right. root for Max Scherzer. You have Chris Bryant in this, and you have Anthony Rizzo in this. Will you root yeah. for those teams, or no. will you root for? Okay, where where is your heart? Dodgers. Okay. I mean, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a weird figure conundrums. It's a weird thing. You know, my, my relationship as a sports fan, as a literally fanatic, hating the two teams I hate most in life, two of the entities I hate most in the world are the Packers and the Cardinals. And the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. But, but I admire their sustained excellence. I do. And I, I tell people every year, people, get, people here don't know anything about the Cardinals. You know, until they took out the Nationals one year after the Nationals were leading 6 nothing in a, in, a, in, a, in a deciding game. We had a dinner party at my house, and there are people who are still new to baseball. That was like, that game was like five or six years ago, right, that series? 2014 yeah. or something like that? And, and I, I remember the people in the house, oh, the Nationals are going to this, they're going to that, it's 6 nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you people don't know, mm-hmm. and you have no idea what you're saying. These are the Cardinals. They're like the Halloween movie. They don't, they don't, they don't <laughs> die. Yeah. I've lived this. I know. And so now other people are saying this. The Cardinals just, they won 19 of 20. And so I'm not going to root for the Cardinals to beat the Dodgers, but I'm going to watch that. The only way I could be, I'm more interested in that than I am the White Sox. And I do not go against the White Sox. I don't hate the White Sox. I don't have sort of the obsession that many in Chicago have, but more so as a sort of a New York East Coast thing, where you've got to hate people and you can't root for the Yankees if you're the Mets. I, that don't, I don't live my life that way. I grew up on the south side of Chicago with a father who was a, a, a Sox fan. Um, I came home one day, and Bill Veck was sitting on my front steps talking to my father, and he had his leg off. Mm, Tony, you yeah, know what yeah, that means. Amputee, yes, yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to root for the White Sox. I'm going to root for the White Sox all season. But, but, but the, the game I care about is tomorrow night, man. I care about tonight, but the Yankees and Red Sox don't resonate with me. They do with a guy who covered baseball, who's been to those games and been in some of those series. But Dodgers, Cardinals, I'm, 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 you know, I'm down with yeah. that, man. Yeah. yeah, I'm a root for Scherzer. All right, I'll talk to you later. All right, Tom. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. We will take a break. We will come back with baseball. We'll get Tim Kirk in, right? Christian, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. Are you afraid of the glow in the dark? Yes. Oh, thanks. I was sort of tossing it up to you guys. Like this is just back and forth here. This is the underpants read. The, gl- the glow in the dark. Question. Okay. Well, I what guess maybe that? I like should make the, in- the under- make the underpants read more internal. <laughs> well, shield your eyes because the new MeUndies Halloween just dropped dead. If there's one collection you don't want a ghost, it's this one. Nigel's been ghosted before. Yes. With five new I prints am. to turn up the terror, you should summon them before it's too late. You know. Every time we get the new MeUndies package, there is a little bit of that uh, of that fear factor is what's going to be inside. And now I see that they have something called the Owl Night Long. Ooh. You can go Owl Night owl Long. Night long? All night long. Yeah. Whether you're out, out running a killer or being abducted by aliens this Halloween, be comforted by the fact that your undies are not only sustainable, but also the softest in town. You might have to, you know... Go back to two-a-days at that point. MeUndies are made from natural fiber sourced from beechwood trees, making their micromodal fabric soft, breathable, and dangerously cozy. Get your spooky season up and haunting with five new prints. I see you soon, my boo. Trick and treats, lazy bones, and lazy pumpkin. I sort of have to add some breaks there. Yeah, we know you hate pumpkin. It's it's one of our closing sound bites. (laughs) You also hate watermelon? I do hate all melons. Squirrels. Squirrels. The placement of the commas, you really sort of have to lean into where you think these breaks are going to be i see you soon my boo available in undie socks and loungewear in sizes extra small through 4xl there are a lot of options to consider but you better make a decision quickly because there's something 
right behind you. <laughs> MeUndies has a great offer for our listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off and free shipping. MeUndies also has a promise. If you're not satisfied with any product for any reason, you can return your order for a full refund within 45 days. To get 15% off your first order, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash Tony K. That's MeUndies.com slash Tony K. Use the code, people. By the way, did you say they were made from beechwood trees? Yeah, beechwood trees. Long before you were born. There was a song, it might have been by the Marvelettes, called Beachwood 4, 5, oh. 7, 8, 9. Yeah. I think it's the Marvelettes. I'm not sure about that. And that's a song about Let's underwear, isn't it? No, it's got nothing to do with underpants. Spooky underpants. <laughs> no, Beachwood and 4, 5, 7, 8, 9. All right. This, this is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, courtesy of Will Salisbury. These are... Money for Guns, the St. Louis band. And this is called The Cold of January. If you want to hear these songs without me talking over them, you can go right to the end of the podcast and listen to them. Money for Guns is really, really good. Michael, if people like Money for Guns want to send us their music, original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. And are we selling anything? Yes, we still have the Tony B2S code for Johnny O, and it is officially shacket season. Yeah, I wear it every day when I walk the dog yeah, in the morning. That's why yeah. it's shacket season. Yeah, love shackets. Tim Kirchin joins us now. And we had um, we did a story yesterday about on PTI about the fact that Maybe it's sort of a letdown. Not that the teams involved in the wild cards aren't wonderful, but that there's only two of them in each league. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Tim? Are you disappointed that Toronto and or and or um, Seattle didn't get into this thing as well with the Yankees and the Sox? Well, I think Toronto is the most entertaining team to watch. So, yes, I'm disappointed that we don't get to watch the Blue Jays anymore. But the Blue Jays didn't win enough games to get into the playoffs. So, therefore, I I can't feel particularly sorry for them, even though I love watching them play. But as we know, Tony, and it's we've been talking about this for a year, the great Sunday that we had would not have happened if we had eight playoff teams instead of five. It wouldn't have been the same day or close to it. So I'm I'm in the camp where I think the current structure works really well because it makes gives extra integrity to the regular season. The 162 you play matter more when you only have five playoff teams instead of eight. So those other teams would have just rolled in, and those final games wouldn't have mattered as much. And right. I, That's I right. think we need to keep that in mind. I think that made for a as good a baseball-watching day that I've had in 10 years, and it's because there were only five playoff teams, not eight. I, I will concede that I – Got off the red zone to watch the Nats in Boston. I mean, I really did. I watched it all the way through. It drove me crazy. Eric Fetty, get out of the major <laughs> leagues. But um, did you, Wilbon and I talked about this all week long, which two teams that we had. And every night something different happened. I got off the Yankees. I got off Boston. Um, I got off Toronto when Robbie Ray couldn't beat the Yankees. I never actually had... I was never sold on the Yankees and Boston. I thought it would be one of them and one of somebody else. How about you? At the beginning of the week, did you have the Yankees in Boston? Tony, I've changed my mind so many times on the Yankees and the Red Sox. Publicly and privately, I have counted both of those teams out of the playoffs Me too. at least Me too. three times during the stretch run because I just didn't think it was going to happen. But maybe this speaks a little bit to those two teams, especially to the Red Sox. They got swept by the Orioles to start the season, and that's where it started. They have no chance to make the playoffs. And there were three other times this year where he said, all right, that's it for the Red Sox. And then they win win three games in a row and make it. And that last game against the Nationals, even with that terrible Nationals bullpen, that was a very, very losable game, and they came back. So maybe there's some resiliency and some toughness to the Red Sox that we need to appreciate a little bit more. 
So I, I mentioned this yesterday. I'm watching the Nats game, and I'm listening to Bob Carpenter say how the Nats are really playing Boston tough. Even though they've lost, they're playing Boston tough, and I'm going, tough? The Orioles just beat them two out of three. That's when I counted them out, Tim. The Orioles beat them two out of three. I, I didn't know how you recover from that, right? I didn't know. Right. Plus, they're going that, into a that. National League city, so they lose the DH. They lose one of their biggest bats. So I didn't think they'd get right. in. I did not. And don't start me on that DH thing. Then the three biggest games of the year, you can't use DH. And Chris Sale has to bat in a game for the first time since 2018. Can we please just have the same set of rules in both leagues? Either put the DH in or get rid of it so we can play the same set of rules. So the Orioles, Tony, finished last I looked 37 games out of fourth place. So they're the second team in history to finish at least 35 games out of the next worst team in the league or the division. The 1916 A's did that, and now the Orioles. That's how bad the Orioles were this year, and they still won two out of three against the Red Sox. So, yes, all sorts of people have counted the Red Sox out here and there, and the same number counted the Yankees out. Tony, they have had four or five of the most excruciating, worst losses I've ever seen. And somehow they overcame all that and made the playoffs. That doesn't mean these are great teams, okay? There are two wild-card teams in the American League, and the Rays have been demonstrably better than both of them this year. But you've got to hand it to them on some level that they made it this far when a lot of people thought, well, Toronto's going to make it for sure, and Toronto didn't. The Yankees and Red Sox did. So I want to get to this one thing. Everybody will focus on the Giants and the Dodgers winning the most games in the league and how unfair it might be that one of those teams, in this case the Dodgers, is going to have to go through the wild card and how unfair it will be, and I agree with this, that the number one and two teams in the league will play each other in the five-game series and not the seven, and I think they should have reseeding, and I'll get to that later. But people need to understand this. If you navigate your way into the playoffs in the American League East where four teams won at least 91 games, where you have to play, Timmy, 57 games against people in your division that have won at least 91 games. If you get to the wild card, I believe you've earned it, right? That is the toughest division by miles in baseball. Absolutely. And stupid me thought at the beginning of the year that the toughest division was going to be the NL East. Yeah, me too. Five teams that had a chance to make the playoffs. Five teams. Now, who knew the Marlins would be that bad? But about three quarters of the way through the season, I said something like that on TV. And Aaron, about the NL East, and Aaron Boone wasn't listening completely from his home. And he texted me, like, You think the NL East is better than the. ALEs, I have to write it back. I said that at the beginning of the year. It has completely changed. The ALEs was a monster this year. And going through that is, to make the playoffs out of that, you're right. Those teams deserve credit for making it that far. Because they got to play the other good teams in both leagues, and they're stuck playing more than one-third of their schedule in a brutal situation, which again leads me to what I was suggesting before. You end up with the Giants and the Dodgers with the most wins in all of baseball in the same division. I'll give you that the wild card is the wild card, and it's too bad if you finish second, you go to the wild card. But I think they should then reseed. I don't, I don't think that Atlanta or Milwaukee should, in effect, get a bye into the league championship series. I think that's wrong. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I would reseed also, Tony, but there is, but there's a giant but here. How great is this going to be if the Dodgers mm-hmm. beat the Cardinals? And I'm not rooting for anything here, but if they beat them and then they play the Giants in a series, which would be absolutely fabulous with the two teams with over 100 wins playing against each other and somebody's going home early. Now, is that fair? No, it's not fair. And I repeat, I would reseed. I think, again, the integrity of the regular season is critical. If we're going to play that many games, and there are going to be so many games that people say, this is a pointless game on a pointless night in June in, uh, on a Tuesday, 
We have to give it more value, and the best way to give it value is to reward the teams that won the most games. So you play a wild card game, you should reseed if you're you have the second most yeah, wins. That's, that's just the way I look at it. I agree with that. Who do you have in the wild card games? We're set now. We got we got the Dodgers and Cardinals, where you have one surefire Hall of Famer and one maybe Adam Wainwright is certainly certainly is debatable. And then you have Garrett Cole and Ivoli, um and and the Yankees and the Red Sox, a rivalry that is meaningful over a long period of time. Who you got? Well, I've got the Red I've got the Yankees beating the Red Sox. Garrett Cole has given up fifteen runs Been in killed. his last three starts. I six one five ERA. He's gonna struggle again in the biggest game he's ever maybe ever pitched as member of the Yankees. Plus their bullpen Tony is tremendous. And if you looked at what Alex Cora had to do to get enough outs against the Nationals to oh, win yeah. that yeah. series like from their bullpen, pitches. which is beleaguered. So I have to think the Yankee bullpen and Garrett Cole are going to be enough, and the way that Judge and Stanton are swinging it are enough to win that series. But it's one game. Anything can happen. And never, ever underestimate the Red Sox. Number two, I say the Dodgers win beat the Cardinals, not because Adam Wainwright won't pitch great. I think he will. But Max Scherzer's a difference maker. Their, start, their pitching is, Tony, they have a batting average against this year of 207 for the team. So the only team in history with a lower batting average against by a pitching staff in history is the 1968 Indians 206 during the year of the pitcher. That's how dominant the Dodger pitching has been this year, and it got even better the day Max Scherzer showed up. And now watch him snort and snarl all over the mound in that start. He can't wait for that. My great fear, of course, is three solo ding-dongs in the first inning, and they're down 3 nothing. That's, you know, that's what I'm afraid of, because he does that, Scherzer, right? Well, everybody does that, Tony, because we've been over this. Even with the great stuff that our pitchers have, if they miss location, they don't give up a single to left field. They give up one 20 rows into the seats, that's, and that goes for every right. pitcher in the game, right. Max Scherzer included. But when they locate with that great stuff, our hitters have virtually – no chance. And that's why I think we're going to see some great, great pitching in this postseason. And my guess is Wainwright and Scherzer will be great. And, Tony, Wainwright throws in like the mid-80s now. Just a lesson for all of our young pitchers. You don't have to throw 98 miles an hour. You don't have to have violent stuff to get people out. If you know what you're doing against these hitters who all they're thinking about is hitting the ball as far as they possibly can, Crafty, wily pitchers like this can beat you and beat you handily, as Wainwright has done all year. By the way, just as an aside, I got ready for the playoff games by last night watching Bull Durham. It made me very happy just to watch that. It's such a wonderful, (laughs) such a wonderful movie. Thank you, Tim. Talk to you soon. Okay, Tony. See you guys soon. Tim Kirkchin, boys and girls. We will take a break. We will come back with email and jingle. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Got your email faxes and your notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Gonna read some for all you folks. Lovely. You want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad? Yes, thank you. Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. Got the bagels today. Had the bagel sandwiches yesterday. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. What happened to the bag? The bag was torn. Yes. Luckily, I had another bag laying around. (laughs) It's on me. That's it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, riding along in my automobile, automobile, my baby beside me at the wheel, I stole a kiss at the turn of a mile, my curiosity running wild, cruising and playing the radio with no particular place to go. We played Money for Guns, a St. Louis band. The greatest St. Louis rock and roller of all time. Ever. Did those lyrics. That was Chuck Berry. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon and Tim Kirchin. Thanks to today's sponsors, Me Undies, a very good read by Michael. Plants to Porch. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. And if you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. From Bill Isaacson, 
I continue to enjoy listening to life's journeys of those who are not that Tom Jones or Richard Burton. <laughs> While I do not have such a name, for some years I've worked with a professional woman who assists me in my professional life whose name is Sarah Lee. The podcast has given me the courage to ask her if she heard a lot about bakery goods in her lifetime. Oh, yeah, I was told. Constant. I asked her if she was old enough to know the commercial. Everybody doesn't like something, but everybody likes Sarah Lee. And yes, that song was the bane of her childhood. I also learned that Sarah Lee's fate in life might have been entirely a practical joke by her sister because her sister renamed the two of them from their Korean names in order to have more pronounceable names in the United States. I was astounded that a family member could have ever had the authority to saddle someone else in the family with what they thought was a catchier name. But then I I remember two children who were growing up as Bootsy and, and uh, the Hammer. Somewhat remarkably, my work with Sarah Lee was preceded by working with a woman named Meg Ryan. Not that Meg Ryan appeared to be of the age where she would have been born at the height of Meg Ryan's movie stardom. So after some period of time, I summoned up the nerve to ask her, so what's the deal? Were your parents big Meg Ryan fans? She looked at me and this was what she said with a dead eye stare before walking away. You know, no one has asked me that before. That's it. I'm done. From John Roth in Pittsburgh, Connective Tissue Story. I'm talking with a group of friends at a Pittsburgh bar Friday night. A gentleman walks in, says hi to a few of them, and introduces himself as Tom. He walks away and my friend says, that's Tom, he used to be the pirate parrot and he's a great artist. That's Tom Mosser, I exclaim. I tracked him down, told him how much I enjoyed his mailbag jingle from that day's show. We got to talk about how much we love the show and his excitement of getting to be a part of it. Thanks for the hours of entertainment and for enabling me to connect with your great group of listeners. From Jordan Foible or Foble in Canada. Wanted to send a quick note of thanks to you guys. I'm a first responder up here in Canada. I had a particularly rough week. Before my last shift, I downloaded the most recent episode for the drive and saw in the recap there was an update on the gray trailer. I couldn't help but smile in anticipation when I hit play. Couldn't stop laughing as you filled us in on the latest location. Definitely needed the laugh. Thanks for all you and the team do. I know you shrug it off, but it means more than I think you realize. From PJ in Springfield, Virginia. Have you considered how fantastic Moses Malone would have been as a sponsor for Plants to Porch? Faux, faux, faux flower. <laughs> Pretty good. Paul in Lindsay, Ontario, north of the border. My wife has given me warning that Hallmark has announced the Christmas movies begin on October 22nd this oh, year. Oh, fantastic. This year you can download an app that you can use to keep track of which ones you've seen. <laughs> like you don't know, they're all the same. <laughs> and it will even provide a countdown for you to make sure you don't miss any of the exciting gazebo-oriented adventures. From Mike Todd, not that Mike Todd, in Columbus, Ohio. Dear Grandpa, in regards to where the fox and raccoons go after they're trapped... Do you realize they're on a you do realize they're on a boat in Lake Tahoe with Al Neri, right? You understand that. From Luke in Fargo, I guess Fargo, North Dakota. Yes. I Dear Mr. So. Tony, in regards to your trailer issue, maybe you need to hire Adcox to place some traps to catch the guys leaving the trailer on your block. <laughs> we have a uh, a haiku from Shad uh, for a little less large, albeit crappy trailer. Hideous trailer, residential eyesore, and podcast bonanza. Yeah, but I'm, I, I got to admit, I got tired. Sure, I got tired because they look horrible. From Coy Nichols, uh, quick question about trailer lengths. How are you measuring these trailers? I'm imagining you send Nigel out with his rope and yardstick. <laughs> um, actually, and it says greetings, T boy. By the way, um, <laughs> actually, I'm just. It's sort of like just visual reconnaissance. The first one was really long. Yes, it was. This one was not as long, but was long enough. Yeah, as but we you eyeball it. Yeah. From Jamie in Albany, New York. Dear Nationals Bullpen, you're nothing to us now. You're not a brother, you're not a friend. We don't want to know you or what you do. When you see our commissioner, we want to know a day in advance so we won't be there. Okay. From Marcy Dillon. This morning, when hearing you casually mention the giant RV lot north of Richmond, I had my first David Aldridge moment. I know that RV park, and not like others might chime in that they know it from driving by. I mean, I really know it. My brother, Jeff McCarthy, works there, oh. selling top-quality RVs, not the junkers parked in the 20015. <laughs> so if any littles or bigs anywhere in the continental U.S. need a fully functioning RV of any size, have them call Jeff at McGeorge RV and say La Cheeserie. This is a fantastic, <laughs> fantastic email. Isn't it's that, just great. Isn't that great? From Rick Hudson in Youngsville, Louisiana. So when you woke up, the trailer was gone? I guess you don't have a partner. Be careful eating that birthday cake. 
And from Josh Cromwell in Moselle, Mississippi, as a longtime emailer to this program, I felt compelled to offer a helpful critique of Sansi's recent contribution. First, I have to downgrade him slightly, not holding to the current email theme, as there were no complaints about his name and the endless hardship it has caused him throughout his life. Furthermore, his email focused on a baseball game, yet there was not even a hint of wistful musing about the Emerald chessboard, which is a pr pretty glaring oversight. That said, on the whole, it's got a good beat and you can dance to it. I give it a seven. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone with that American bandstand reference, as always, do wear white. And uh, tell me, you brought three of your friends. Could you please introduce yes, them? Yes, there's George Parasol, <coughs> Ringo Stone, and Paul Macharmley. January 
took me by the hand You said you couldn't even begin to understand How people could be so monstrous I said, hey, babe, they'll never break up Just for the day